What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. Welcome to Forward Thinking. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to Forward Thinking, the audio podcast that looks at the future and says, I don't want to achieve immortality through my work. I want to achieve it by not dying. I'm Jonathan Strickland. I'm Lauren Volkelbaum. And I'm Joe McCormick. And uh, that quote from Woody Allen that I paraphrased is sort of what we're talking about today. We're talking about immortality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thanks for the backup there, Joe. Yeah. All right. So we recently had a, a, an episode about longevity. And uh, and if you were to extend that logically, then you would see that you know beyond longevity, we'd be talking about the possibility of actually attaining immortality or at least prolonging our lifespan to the point where um, we we tend to live indefinitely. This is a dream that a lot of futurists have, uh, and there are various ways that they have proposed that we might actually achieve this dream. Um, but we want to talk about sort of a couple of those different ideas, and then what would that ultimately mean to humans if we were to actually get this ability to yeah. live effectively for as long as we want to. It raises a lot of questions. 
I'd say it more than raises questions. I mean, getting rid of death, well, not getting rid of death because we should make sure to make a distinction between uh, the sort of natural immortality, meaning making you immune to dying by old age and right. stuff like that. Uh, essentially uh, eliminating aging. Yeah. Uh, would be not quite the same thing as eliminating death completely. Right, I mean, because you, if you we were can hit never, by, We can never make it so that if, if they... If injury you know, or disease were eliminated, then that would be an entirely different thing. Right, if, yeah. you were, if you were able to somehow find a medical cure for, say, getting hit by a bus, mm-hmm. then maybe that would lead to effective immortality in all aspects. But really, you know, there are going to be cases where, unless we find a way to make ourselves invulnerable Superman style... Uh, Death will still be something that could happen to you. It's just it won't be something that would happen to you just from being around the earth too long. Right. Unless we're talking about digital immortality. Yeah. In that case, you might be talking about the death of a physical body, but not of the consciousness. But we'll, we'll kind of we need to break all that down and define it first and then talk about what the the, the concerns are. Right. What I started to say about the concerns is that. This seems to me like it would just completely change what it means to be alive, what it means to be human. Sure. So much of human civilization, as, you know, some kind of morbid psychologist might say, is based around avoiding thinking about your impending death. Or it's about dealing with the death of others, or it's about accepting your impending death, depending upon which culture you're talking about and, and how they view uh, mortality, and yeah. it could be argued that um that we find all of our meaningfulness in life due to the fact that it won't last forever. Exactly, yeah, right. So if you and if you remove that, if life lasts indefinitely, do you in fact remove meaning, or does that just mean that we have to redefine it? Uh, these are all good conversations that I want to get into, but before we get into the philosophical stuff, let's talk about some of the actual ways that people have said we might somehow achieve immortality. Now, you mentioned digital immortality, Lauren. Yeah. Uh, now, this is an idea that I, I personally think is very science fiction-y. I'm with you. Um, it's the idea that we're somehow able to port our consciousness, what it is that makes us us, into some sort of uh, electronic, mechanical you know, uh, system. So essentially, the way most people use shorthand is they say you upload your brain into a computer. Now, uh, there are a lot of problems with this. Uh, chief among them is how do you actually get the whatever it is in our consciousness that makes us who we are out of our minds and into a machine? Yeah. Right now, there's so much that we don't understand about human consciousness in the brain that it seems like an impossibility. And there may not be any sort of way to to uh, interconnect our consciousness with a machine beyond a very surface level. So in other words, uh, you might be able to interact with a computer, with a brain-computer interface. We've seen those already, and they are getting better every year. But being able to make a computer do what you want by thinking about it and making a transition from your body into a computer are huge orders of magnitude apart from one another. Yeah, and if the language on this hasn't been clear yet, it's worth making a really fine distinction here on the the difference between having a copy of your brain in a computer and having that be the thing that is currently your experience. Right. So even if we get to a point where we can simulate a human brain down to the last neuron. Imagine they could actually copy it. So somebody could go interact with that computer and to them it would be like interacting with you. Yeah. The personality would be identical. However, you would – 
computer have the experience of interacting with that person? Well, right. and even even if we can't answer that question, we still are bothered by the question of, well, yeah, okay, so we've got a computer copy, but I'm still in my my body, yeah. right? And my when brain your body is here. dies, that's it. It's not like it's not like me that that somehow my own experience of the universe as I know it continues on there's just a copy of me it's almost as if you were to make a physical clone of me if you were to to clone me and there was a second me there that second me would might have very similar personality traits and actually might not but that's kind of interesting too but anyway it, it's, it's, let's uh, assume that somehow it's a perfect copy of me that doesn't mean that if my clone goes out the door and talks to someone i suddenly have that experience of talking to that person that's two totally separate experiences of reality yeah. so i still lose it when i die i'm gone well ho- however i mean if that clone has all of your experiences up until the point that you die if it's made at your death and then can still go out and update twitter and have all of your memories then to every- arguably to everyone else i seem alive to me i'm still dead well, but but how do you, how do you know that if your if your con- because, if your consciousness no if your consciousness continues on but no 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 it's not my consciousness it's his consciousness yeah see that's the problem is that <laughs> it becomes his as soon as that becomes a thing same thing with the digital model is that there are two consciousnesses now conscious nigh whatever the plural of consciousness <laughs> would be but there are two of them and so and that's the problem is that uh, they're distinct from one another they both are based on the same thing but they, this is the same problem i have with uh, uh transporter technology by the way cloning because, yeah yeah it's essentially yeah. cloning it's breaking down a body and then reconstructing it so every single time anyone on star trek is using the transporter and this is something that bones himself points out a couple they of times die. they die they and die are and are resurrected reborn, yeah. but it's it's a copy of the person it's well star it's trek the next generation dealt with that in a very important episode about riker but wasn't every episode an important episode about Riker and how he <laughs> sits down in the manliest of ways and every chair he comes into contact with? <laughs> he is he is action man. It's not it's not his fault. <laughs> yeah, he also walks through doors uh, sideways because his shoulders are just far too wide to fit through. Uh, I kid Jonathan Frakes. He's a nice guy. Met him a couple times. Love you, Jonathan. Anyway, uh, so. That, but that's a real that's a real thing though that's a real thing in science fiction and it's a real thing that people have argued is that the you could maintain the illusion of immortality that way to everyone to any outside observer it would be as if you were living forever mm-hmm. but you the actual entity would cease to be upon your death right the the so the new you might have the sense of continuity right the new you might continue on and and it would be as if you had actually been transported it's just that your consciousness ends right which whoops not acceptable we're we're, we're talking we're we're getting into a very metaphysical conversation about what it means to be conscious and and what i mean because i i I would i would argue the counter i would argue that if if you can wake up in a new body but see, you're that not. That has all of your memories. You're not waking up. Someone else is waking up with all your memories. No, but if it's all of your memories, it's still you. But it's not you, the person, individual, no, because you both but- exist at the same time. Lauren, if you clone yourself right now and your clone walks outside and does stuff, you are not going to know what's happening. So your consciousness is, is yeah, existing but if independently. I'm dead, it doesn't matter. But that's, that's the whole point. <laughs> We're trying to avoid death. See, oh, that's yeah, the whole that goal. was the topic, that wasn't was the... it? <laughs> right? Okay, so, so, so digital immortality. All right, all right. We've got a problem with consciousness porting right. and all that aside, but how would digital immortality be different from physical immortality? So digital immortality, let's let's say that somehow we have reached a point where we actually can 
move a person's consciousness from a physical body into a digital construct. I don't know how we did it, but somehow we magically found the way, you know, we got the USB port. You just transferred your brain over USB 7D3, and uh, it went really quickly. And, and now you're, you're now seeing you're a, from this computer. Right. That's you, where you your, live. Your consciousness has now been transported into a computer, whether that computer is a giant mainframe or it's inside a robotic body or it's some sort of weird freeform literal cloud computing because we've gone so far that nanotechnology has taken over. I, I, I put in right now for electronic jellyfish. Electronic jellyfish for yeah, Lauren? I was going to say goo. Like magic goo. Magic goo for Joe. Uh, personally, uh, I want a flame-breathing unicorn. But I was anyway. going to say llama, but that's close enough. A llama and a unicorn are worlds apart. But anyway, uh, so, so all right, we, we've reached that point. In this case, we're talking about a continuing consciousness, but there's you, you are separated from what was your body, right? You are no, now you might be able in this weird science fiction world to reconstruct your body in some way so that you can at least continue the experience of going through the world as if you were in a, a human body. Can I but change I mine to mechanical shark? Mechanical shark body? You're in goo. You can take whatever form you want. Excellent. So, okay, proceed. All right. But the point being that, you know, if you could port your brain so that you could be in a digital format, you would not be limited to the human experience anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a lot of other questions that happen, like what happens if you were to upload two consciousnesses to the same computer? Then would they merge in some way? What happens if we were to port the entire human race into some sort of digital format? What happens with reproduction? Would we actually be able to create brand new digital life forms that never once were inside a human body? Uh, again, I think all this is pure science fiction. I don't see us ever getting there. But these are kind of those cool science fiction-y like, ideas that you get when you're – yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, it's, are we going to be the Borg? Like, would we have a shared consciousness at that point? Yeah. Or, uh, yeah, would it be, would the human race essentially become a giant ant colony? Uh, like, every single consciousness, it actually becomes more like an individual neuron in a giant hive brain. Um, I honest, again, I don't think we're ever gonna get there. So it's almost a moot discussion in my mind, but, you know, I could be totally wrong. Well, so it does seem to me that it's slightly more probable that we will achieve something like a physical uh, immortality. And again, to clarify, not invulnerability, but conquering aging, because right. we can actually zero in on what aging is. Yeah. And uh, and if we zero in on the genes that govern aging to a point where we can uh, make meaningful decisions so that we counteract the aging process, we could indefinitely halt aging. Now, these are all a lot of ifs and, uh, uh, on the scientific level. I think all of that is achievable. Um, I don't, I don't think there's anything fundamentally, uh, that would be a fundamental barrier to that. Uh, but I do think that in order for that to happen, there'd be a lot of hurdles to overcome. However, I do think that between the two major roads, digital immortality or, uh, conquering aging, I think the aging one is the one that's actually more plausible. It look it looks more likely right now. I mean, we already know that the the Hayflick limit um which is which is the the limit at which cells stop dividing right. and go through a programmed cell death. Uh we, we know what that is. We know that there's a protein um telomerase that has mm-hmm. to do with uh with with triggering that and that if you can remove that uh limit, 
then yeah. hypothe- hypothetically, hypothetically, I mean, you know, stop stuff, aging. stuff like cancer cells don't have that. So, I mean, you know, we, we've already looked at it and said, hey, that thing. It's just, yeah. Yeah, the, this is an idea where, uh, well, like, like the idea that, you know, you have the, the, the caps on the end of, uh, of genetic material, the telomeres, right, that get a little shorter every time the cell divides. And once they get down to the end, that's pretty much game over for that cell. Um, if we were able to reverse that process or halt that process, then in theory we would be able to uh, to hold off death indefinitely. And we've seen experiments like this in uh, uh, on the cellular level, and, but not on anything that's human, as far as we know. I mean, there are some conspiracy theorists out there who believe that there are folks sure. who are already in possession of this immortality, but for fear of the mass of of, of the unwashed uh, charging with pitchforks and pistols in hand, <laughs> they have not revealed their immortal status. Uh, perhaps they even glitter in sunlight. I do not know. But uh, I don't hold those conspiracy theories in, in – uh, I'm skeptical of them. Let's say that. I'm quite skeptical too, but I don't think part of that idea is unreasonable. Not necessarily that somebody has actually figured this out, but uh, l- let me introduce a little thought experiment. So sure. imagine you discover the cure to a disease, you know, like polio. You know, you were the discoverer of the polio vaccine. Okay. Do you have a a moral duty to share that knowledge of how to create that vaccine with the rest of the world? I would say yes. Yeah. Like you, yeah. you, you have an obligation. I would say, I would say ethically, not morally, yeah. but yes. Okay. But I just make that distinction between ethics and morality because I think morality suggests there's uh, a specific um, belief system that is usually tied to uh, religious uh, affiliation. But uh, I think ethically, you would certainly be uh, expected to okay. share that. Yeah. Semantic distinctions yes, aside. Yes. Sure. Uh, you would have an ethical responsibility. Would you have the same responsibility if what you discovered was the cure to aging? I in just intuitively don't feel that you necessarily would. I, I think that that's a tougher question. Well, it's certainly if we were to somehow discover with irrefutable proof that we had found a way to safely stop the aging process and we were to just – uh, spontaneously roll that out throughout the entire human population, there would clearly be some massive consequences we would have to to deal with. And right. I, I honestly think that uh, we would really have to think about, discuss, consider the consequences of those actions before rolling that out. So I think that uh, while this this conversation is largely philosophical, uh, it's it's an important one. And I think it, in order for us to ever get to a future where we do actually roll out some form of, of defeating the whole aging process, we have to have these conversations now because if we don't, we're going to be dealing with some ugly consequences further down the road. Yeah, yeah. It, it more depends on, on a bunch of other ethical considerations that are brought up if the possibility of, of this uh, longevity becomes real. So, for example, like, uh, you know, there's there's the idea that you know, we talked about this in another episode of Forward Thinking, the idea that there's a, a capacity that any particular region has to support uh, life on it, a particular type of life. Right. Like and once you once you exceed that, mm-hmm. you've actually 
gone beyond the the capacity of that area to support that life, then you have massive die-offs. Right. So you're saying, like, imagine we we keep breeding, but we mostly stop dying. Right. So in other words, uh, there, there's a question: Is it does it become unethical to uh, to reproduce if you are uh, creating a greater burden on the entire planet to provide the resources necessary for everyone to continue to survive. Then there's, I mean, that, that's... And is it furthermore ethical to tell people that they can't reproduce? Is, is removing that right. capacity, of, you know, violating basic human rights? Right. Do you therefore make a distinction and say, anyone who wants to reproduce, that's fine. You don't get the magic serum that keeps you alive forever. And then what would what would most people choose? And then on be on top of that, you've got the question of if it's a if it's a private company that comes up with this this uh, approach, like they've got gene therapy that will um, conquer aging, uh, and it's a private company, and you know private companies exist in order to make a profit. That's the you know business. That's ultimately what the goal is. Now, there are different ways of going about it, and you can do it in ethical ways. You can do it in unethical ways. But that's really beside the point. The whole purpose of a business is to make money. That's why they exist. So if you have a business that comes up with this plan, um, what happens when – how do you set your price? Like you've got something that you know lots of people are going to want. Maybe not everyone. There might be people out there who have no interest in living forever. They they don't they think for whatever reason that that is not right for them. Well, I'd imagine there's a huge middle category. I'd probably include myself in this that would probably like to live a good bit longer than people usually naturally live but would really probably not like to live forever. Right. 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 So, well, and I mean, and there's, you know, well, first of all, we're talking about prolonging life indefinitely, but that does not necessarily mean we oh, can do it sure. forever. Oh, sure. Well, I mean, forever. we're talking about uh, uh, a practical forever. I mean, sure. obviously, not we're not going to go... billions upon billions of years yeah. <laughs> until the heat death of the universe exactly. ensues. Right. Sure. Well, I mean, Just yeah. a bunch of us sitting there going, well, that was something, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, you know, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, right, so... So, let, let's just, let's say uh, 500,000 years. Wow. I mean, yeah, that's I'd, I'd, like to, I'd like to live longer than I probably naturally will, but I don't want to live 500,000 years. That's fair, and that's well, a good question. Well, I don't know, maybe, maybe you, get, you get seven, eight hundred years into it, and you go, you know, this is pretty cool. <laughs> I, that's true. Yeah. You can't really predict, but then maybe 700, 800 years after that, you're like, I'm done. <laughs> that last 500 years was a bear. You know, I mean, you don't know. You don't know. But but here's here's the thing. Is that that's a good question. I mean, would you would that mean if we if we get to a point where people were able to achieve immortality, would um, would suicide be a permissible thing in this society where someone has felt that they have lived long enough and they do not wish to continue living. If it's if it's something that requires uh, you know periodic treatments, I can imagine a world where if you are able to uh, demonstrate this would this is a weird concept, but if you're able to demonstrate that you are mentally sound, that you would halt those treatments and allow the aging process to to continue. Can you imagine that? Where I'm sorry, you're not, you're not mentally capable, so we have to keep you alive <laughs> indefinitely. 
That's I, kind of an I mean, interesting, but this, but possible future. This conversation introduces such a weird instability in the way I'm viewing humans. I had the question popped into my mind, like, uh, would be would mental soundness still be the same thing in this world? I mean, that's how fundamentally I feel this would alter the human experience. Right. Like, if someone said that they no longer wish to live, would that person be viewed as truly? crazy. Yeah. Well, I mean, and can you imagine, I mean, because loss is is a big, scary part of our lives right now. Can you imagine losing someone that you've known for 800 years? Yeah. Yeah. I I can imagine wanting to. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, just, 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 just how do relationships work at that point? You know, how? Yeah, sure. Right. I mean, there are a lot of, I mean, fundamental questions about what it is to have the human experience. That's another question is, if you were able to do this, would it mean that you were no longer actually human? Uh, At least as the way, not not from a, you know... I, necessarily from a, well, a, genetically, a biological, maybe, genetically, sure, sure but, but but from an experience, from yeah. what, from what, if the human condition depends upon death, then yeah. by defeating death, are we human? Right. And and which which also gets into the the questions of, of spirituality. I mean, because most lots of religions um, base a lot of their philosophy on what happens after you die. Sure. If you don't die, then then you know then what does that mean? What are you you know if if, if God has a plan for us, what does that mean? If if reincarnation is the road to um, enlightenment, then what does that mean? Right. I can imagine one way that that might be dealt with is is just purely practically, like if if you want to talk about heaven and hell or other other versions of afterlife. Um, you could merely fall back on the fact that, well, I mean, this isn't going to mean actual immortality. So maybe it takes you a hundred thousand years to, uh, face your judgment or whatever, but I think that I would think still would, happen. I right? think it would widely, it would widely vary depending upon the various religious faiths out there, that obviously. That goes without saying. Yeah. yeah. So there'd be some that would probably, uh, uh, embrace this and there'd be some that might say, you know, this is, not right. Uh, and I think I can't imagine a world where this would really become compulsory. In fact, I can I can much more <laughs> imagine a world. Well, you say, of course, but we're talking about a world where people don't die. We might as well go ahead, go so far as to say, <laughs> OK, that might not necessarily. I mean, I, I can't imagine that a compulsory immortality would be sustainable. I mean, that would be that would sort of for that that would foreclose on humanity too quickly yeah to be no right. i can i i can see it though i can see someone like we were saying a minute ago like if if you don't want to live forever what's wrong with you you're probably you need to be a ward of the state you need to be protected from yourself because you want to die and how weird is that so let's and let's say that there is some sort of system in place to to guide uh, uh reproduction what happens when two people reproduce is the baby immediately treated so or even treated before born to not age after a certain amount uh does the baby get any say in that it's i mean they're they're weird questions but these are things that actually pop up and when you start having this discussion i had one pop into my mind sure uh this is kind of a weird concern but it actually it it seems very grave Uh, imagine (laughs) you get to the point where where pretty much everybody has access to this okay um you can stop aging how would that change uh ideas of punishment sure let's say that you live in a state which does not have the death penalty but will give you life in prison for a horrible crime and you get convicted of that crime 
what does your life in prison mean? Does that mean you go to prison for 500,000 years or however long you live? Or, I mean, how, how would that change our idea of what punishment is? Also, before you even get to, to what punishment means, how would, would, would people still enact in criminal behavior if they were going to live forever? If your permanent record lasts 500,000 years, are you going to blemish it? Are, are you going to be more likely or less likely? I think there's always going to be people who are going to act in, in whatever way gives them the greatest advantage and, uh, regardless of whether it's legal or not. Also, I mean, if you get to first, assuming that we still have the same sort of emotions that we do now, and I see no reason to assume otherwise, uh, you're still going to have interpersonal conflict, which can, oh yeah, lead to, like, think about murder in a world where people would otherwise live forever. How, How do you punish that? You know, when you think, not only, not only did this person have so much uh, so much more to do. They had so much more to do indefinitely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, you know, I, I, we had a discussion before we actually started recording where I, I, I proposed the idea that if, if this is something that requires periodic treatments so that you continue to live forever, then what happens? Would, uh, would a, uh, a prison sentence that's for life also include the, you know, interruption of those treatments? Which and would, so, in a weird way, sort of amount to a kind a of indirect sentence. death penalty. Right. Yeah. Instead of instead of directly killing someone, you're allowing them to die, and that's a very tiny distinction. Now, I, personally, I don't see any real difference between uh, throwing a switch and allowing someone to die. But from a very from a legal perspective, there could be a world of difference because legality and rationality don't necessarily go hand in hand. Plus, my definition of rationality could be very different from someone else's. Uh, on top of that, you know, I mentioned before, you're talking about the, the possibility of the private company. Uh, this could lead to a, a, a world of haves and have nots that is hard to imagine. I mean, you know, or, yeah. I mean, it could act upon the world that is already of haves and have nots in a way that makes the distinction or yeah. makes that, that much un- more stark. completely yeah. even worse than it is now. Yeah. It, in, to the, to the absolute extreme where you have, uh, a very, very wealthy, tiny percentage of humanity, maybe less than a fraction of a percent of all of humanity that can afford this uh, and then everyone else can't. So can you imagine the social disruption that would result in that? I mean, you know, you well, may – Well, and just the inherent unfairness. Sure. I mean – well, and that well, – which would lead to the social disruption. Obviously, yeah. But yeah, I mean – now granted, like I said, there are going to be people, I think, who will look at this and say, you know, this really isn't what I want. I don't want to live forever. That's not – I don't place value in that. And uh, and for those people, it may be that you know that they will experience whatever social disruption there is, but they won't be taking an active role in it. Uh I don't know what percentage of people would long for immortality. I suspect it's a fairly large one. But that also – I'm looking at this from a very privileged perspective as well. My life is pretty amazing and awesome. And so when I take that into account and I think, would I want to live forever? I'm thinking, well, you know, look how amazing my life is. I don't want this to go away. Mm-hmm. But then I don't live in a condition where I would be thinking – this is what I have to live through and I have to live through it forever. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, but then again, you you probably wouldn't assume that people would like want to die. I mean, it, I'd say the desire to stay alive is is a nearly 
it's, universal it's most of the yeah, and, 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 and if you had if you had an infinite period of time, then you could grow your wealth and you could better yourself and you could but you could get to a position that you weren't. The question becomes: Maybe. Would would, I mean, would we do enough to improve the lives of everyone instead of just the few who would have access to this? I mean, even, even if we go into let's let's look at it as saying we're going to be in an altruistic future where whatever company or organization comes up with this shares it fairly uh, generously. That's rollout is still going to be fairly gradual, at least at first. And that alone is going to cause problems, which is why some people are suggesting that this could already be happening and therefore, you know, it's a secret because if it weren't a secret, people would go nuts. Um, but then when you look at parts of the world that are really uh, impoverished, that have already are lacking for very basic resources that are uh, in in areas of high conflict, how do you extend this to those areas? Right? How do you, how do you, if, or do you not? And if you don't, are you essentially telling these people you have to die? I mean, th- these are weird, tough questions that, that arise from this concept. I had another question. Sure. Do we have an inherent ethical responsibility to reproduce? I mean, that, I think these days you'd, you'd probably say no, right? I mean, no, if you don't want to have children, of course not. But then again, the, uh, it starts getting weird. When you think about the idea that, okay, there's one generation where imagine everybody has access to this. Everybody has the option to live forever and they just stop making babies. So essentially what you're saying is there's a generation that is the last generation. Yeah, suddenly you're part of the last people and these people just keep going. It certainly seems very egocentric to suggest that that – uh, the, that generation would be the ultimate one. That would be the what? last one. And that, that nothing following that would be worth the trade-off of immortality. Right. That's, I mean, you know, to say that is pretty, uh, look, I'm an egocentric guy. I got an <laughs> ego a mile wide. I would not be comfortable saying that. I'll still take your immortal juice. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's weird. And it certainly wouldn't translate to saying, now that that anybody should have the responsibility to have children. I mean, that seems absurd to me. Yeah. But well, there's certainly a lot of religions that say that. So. Sure, sure, sure. That's fine. I mean, I'm just saying I wouldn't personally. Say that. Uh-huh. But but that somehow that seems completely upset by this living for everything. Sure. If your if your plan is to live forever and never replace yourself, uh, that that does strike me as odd. I don't expect anyone to replace me, and I actively work to prevent that. <laughs> Because uh, I like my gig. Yeah, that's right. You fear being usurped. I do. <laughs> I do. I I undercut my my colleagues at every opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> this is not true. No. Not sure. Mostly. That's not kind true. Of, yeah, absolutely not. Right, Joe? If you saw the emails I wrote in support of you guys, <laughs> you'd, you'd change your tune you know, too sweet. Um, but we're we're having fun with this because if we didn't, we'd probably go crazy uh, trying yeah, to discuss this. Is a these. pretty dark topic in it's, some ways. It, it is in many ways because again, you know, you're talking about changing one of the fundamental experiences of what it is to be human. I mean, this is every human from the very first Homo sapien up until today has. The knowledge that one day they are not going to be around anymore. In fact, that's often involved in in what consciousness is, right? When people try to define it, one of the things that comes up is they say uh, it's the awareness of your own death. Right. That's that's one one facet of what people 
will use to describe consciousness. Keeping in mind that consciousness is one of those things that no one has ever been able to truly define. Like the best definition I, I ever see is that we start to define things about the mind and whatever is left is consciousness. So every year that goes by, <laughs> as we define more things about the mind, the, the concept of consciousness gets smaller. But it becomes that uh, undefined variable that we see in other like crazy mathematic equations where you know they say, oh, look, this makes the universe make sense as long as something happens over here in this part of the equation that we mm-hmm. can't really explain yet. But hopefully one day we will discover what it is. Same sort of thing holds true with the mind and, and consciousness. Well, and as we discussed in the very last podcast we recorded, it it might not be a thing at all. It might be an emergent property of neurons in your brain. Sure. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely think it's, you know, that it's I'm a pragmatist. I think it's based on on physical matter. It's, it's not, not a thing, but an interaction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I personally don't see it as being some other kind of energy type experience. But, <laughs> like, but like that, we don't have like an un- unfound gland somewhere in there that goes like, oh, that's a consciousness gland, right? Or that uh, mm-hmm. or that there is some other element that is not mm-hmm. not directly relatable to physical sure. matter. Uh, but that's just one view. I understand there are people who have very different views on that. And uh, I totally respect that because I'm not a neuroscientist or a psychologist and <laughs> it's just my own personal perspective. Um, so, But you are a shaman of the future. I am that. I am that. Uh, it's a, a heavy burden. <laughs> but uh, if you reference Queen lyrics and, you know, mm-hmm. just keep on keeping on, I think it's fine. All right. Well, OK. Quick, quick poll. Quick poll. You've got the, the choice. You can take the immortal pill where you are going to live indefinitely. So really the only way you die is through severe injury or illness or you take your own life or you can walk away knowing that you know if you take care of yourself, you can live a, a, a good long life, but you're not going to be living anywhere close to what someone who would take that pill would experience. Joe, what do you do? I, I don't know. I mean I- – Honestly, I guess my gut reaction is I probably wouldn't. I'd rather take the not die soon pill. Right. That's not an option. You got the <laughs> okay. You got then the, the, you got then, the not die ever, or you've got the if you take care of yourself and uh, you avoid illness and injury, you'll live a good long while, uh, assuming all the other variables. I, play I guess I'd say no. No, it's just too. It's too. Un, it's too scary. I don't know. Joe I mean, walks away from the pill. Lauren, same oh, question. Oh yeah, no, no. I take it. Yes, you absolutely. Take it? Totally. I take. I take my pill and Joe's pill. <laughs> I you absorb live, my life energy. I want to live immortal times two. Now, now taking, and you become taking... the the future vampire, draining <laughs> the life force of others and oh, roaming the the wastelands. I will. Your... Uh, you'll find me at a uh, parking lot at Madison Square Garden. <laughs> Carrying a sword that has no yeah, business. Yeah, I know being what you're there. doing. Yeah. <laughs> there can be only one. Faint of it'll, it'll, it'll come down. It'll come down between me and Lauren, and she'll win because she's got some LARPing experience that I don't have. So, but but until that day, I'll still battle for the prize. What's the future of LARPing? That's another podcast. That's a very okay. good question. Guys, if you want to know what the future of LARPing is, then I suggest you write in and you ask, and then we will actually answer that question. But to do that, you've got to send us an email. That address is fwthinking at discovery.com, or go to fwthinking.com. That's where you can find all the videos, the blogs, the 
podcasts and links to our social media. Get in touch with us. Let us know what you like about the show. Let us know what you are excited about in the future. And ask us some questions that you really want answered. We're really excited to hear from you. And we will talk to you again really soon. For more on this topic and the future of technology, visit forwardthinking.com. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.